You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. I'm curious, how many of you remember Y2K? Now, you kind of, yeah, you, so you, if you're kind of, I think, maybe 30 and under, you may not have any idea what that is. But for those of us that are probably uh, over 30, uh, remember very vividly what Y2K was. And that was that we were kind of working our way up to the year 2000. And there were people convinced that our computers, our technology would not have the ability to go from 1999 to 2000. And so they believed that there was just going to be this epic crash, that, that everything was just going to come to a screeching halt and we were going to be thrown back into the Stone Ages. And so there were all of these programs and all of these efforts being made to make sure that when that uh, December 31st, when we crossed that threshold of 1999 into 2000, that it would be glitch free. And if you were alive during that time and aware of what was going on, you remember uh, that stroke of midnight came and nothing happened. Everything was as before. And so we kind of got ourselves all worked up and we did a whole lot of things really for nothing. Now, what's interesting is that very same year, 2000, as a matter of fact, it was May 5th of that year, there were people who logged onto their computer that, that morning and they found that they had received an email from someone that they knew. The subject line said, I love you, question mark. Well, kind of curious to see what that was about, they opened that email. And what happened was it was a virus, um, and the second they opened that up, it started erasing all of their hard drives, it started erasing everything on their computers, but it also kind of went into their emails and it, and it took and it sent that virus to everyone on their emails. And, and so that day, this virus, it kind of spread from Asia to Europe to the United States. I mean, it shut down the British Parliament. It shut down the uh, House of Representatives. It shut down corporations. There were millions and millions and millions of people who were affected by that virus because what it did was it kind of overloaded and then it crashed their computers. Now, a lot of us kind of know people who kind of lead overloaded lives, overloaded so much so that eventually they kind of crash. Now, consider these uh, statistics. People now sleep two and a half hours fewer um, per night than people did 100 years ago. So, so we are sleeping less than our grandparents did. Your uh, average work week is longer now than it was in the 1960s. We're actually working much longer hours than people did in the 1960s. The average office worker uh, claims to have about 36 hours worth of work kind of just piled up on their desk. 
It takes us about three hours a week to just kind of sort through it. I can testify to that. There are times I just get piles that accumulate on my desk, things that, you know, I think, oh, this is important. I've got to get to that. And it kind of just piles up on my desk. A couple of months down the road, I'll kind of see that pile and think, I need to go through. I need to thin that out. I need to see what's in there. And like three quarters of it, it's irrelevant and it just kind of goes in the garbage. But at the time, I thought, hey, this really could be something that needs my attention. So again, we're all finding ourselves uh, in situations like that. We are chronically rushed, we're chronically late, we're chronically exhausted, and oftentimes we kind of find ourselves feeling like Job did there in Job chapter 3, verse 26. He says, I have no peace. I have no quiet. I have no rest, and the trouble just keeps coming and coming and coming. Anybody here identify with that verse? And here's some of the common areas where a lot of us kind of experience that overload in our lives. We've got too much activity, too much change, too many choices, too much work, too much debt, too much media. We're stressed by what we would call information overload. We're, we're stressed by accessibility overload. Because of just even our smartphones, we're connected all the time in one way or another. And we're stressed by the pace of life, and we kind of talked a little bit about that last week. So what's the solution? Well, the solution is, is to build some margin of time and space into your life. I would define margin as kind of that breathing room. Margin is that space of time and, and space between my load and my limit. Margin is that little, reserve, that little reservoir, that little reserve of time and space that you're not using up. Margin is that you're not stretched to and beyond your limits. Margin is you're not going from one meeting to the next meeting to the next meeting to the next meeting. Overload is when there's no margin of time or space between our load and our limit. And when our load exceeds our limits and there is no margin, it's just a matter of time before your life will spin out of control. Years ago, there's a Dr. Swenson who wrote a book on this very topic of margin. And here's some of what he had to say. He said, the conditions of modern day living devour margin. If you're homeless, we would direct you to a shelter. If you're penniless, we offer you food stamps. If you're breathless, we can connect you to oxygen. But if you're marginless, meaning you have no additional reserve of time or space, we give you one more thing to do, one more place to be. Marginless is being 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you were 20 minutes late getting out of the hairdresser, because you were two minutes late dropping the children off at school because the car ran out of gas two blocks from a gas station and you forgot your purse. That's marginlessness. Margin, on the other hand, is having breath at the top of the staircase, money at the end of the month, and sanity left over at the end of adolescence. Amen, parents? <laughs> Marginlessness is the baby crying and the phone ringing at the same time. Margin is grandma taking the baby for the afternoon. 
Marginless is being asked to carry a load five, five pounds heavier than you can lift. Margin is having a friend carry half the burden. Marginless is not having time to finish the book you were reading on stress. Margin is having time to read it twice. Marginless is fatigue. Margin is energy. Marginless is red ink. Margin is black ink. Marginless is hurry. Margin is calm. Marginless is our culture. Margin is counterculture, having some space in your life and schedule. Marginless is reality. Margin is remedy. Marginless is the disease of our decade, and margin is the cure. So this morning, I kind of want to look at what are some of the benefits of living a life of margin? And then I want to kind of just look at a few what I think are very practical steps on how to kind of build margin, again, that, that margin, that reserve of time and space into your life. Now, in my family of origin, I have an older brother, a younger brother, and a younger sister. And my mom would often tell me of the four of us, I was the only one who was actually born on my due date. And then my mom would go on to tell me, and that was the last time you were on time. And it's true. This was true for me growing up into college. It was true into my early adult years. I was never on time for anything. I was always running late, always behind. I remember as just a young kid in elementary school, we kind of lived at the kind of the end of a, of a pretty long road and the, the bus to the elementary school would pick us up at the far end of the street. My brothers and sisters would be out the door. They'd be down at the bus stop and I'm still struggling to try to get shoes and whatever else I needed to do to get out the door. And there were more times than I care to count that I would kind of get up close to the bus stop as the bus is pulling away and all of the kids are waving goodbye to me. And my punishment for that was then I had to walk to school. And so this happened often uh, as I was growing up and as I entered into college. I mean, I was always late for college classes, always. And the reason I was late was because, you know, I was late getting, you know, up in the morning because... I was up too late the night before doing stuff that probably didn't even need to be done. And so, you know, I would kind of, you know, wake up and then, you know, I had overslept and then, you know, I was late getting to breakfast. There were often times I would get there and the breakfast line was completely closed down. I would try to sneak back into the kitchen as they're putting stuff away to see what I could just get to eat. And, and it was just constantly like this. I remember when I started teaching school, same thing happened. I mean, I would get up in the morning well-intentioned to be at school on time, and I would just find a million things to kind of occupy my attention and my time. And so by the time I would, you know, need to be uh, at school, I'm just starting to think about heading to the car to get to school. And so this kind of started to become a problem, so much so that I'd gotten written up for it. And I realized this was kind of becoming a problem. And again, this was all the effects, all the consequences of kind of living and leading 
a marginless time. And so I, over time, really had to kind of begin to learn how to build margin into my time and my schedule. Now, I want to just share with you that I think there are at least four, maybe more, but at least four benefits of when we can kind of take time to build and to kind of add in that reserve, that uh, margin of time and space in our lives. The first benefit is you just have more peace of mind. I mean, you know, when I can get to a place and I'm on time and I've maybe even got, you know, 10 minutes before whatever I'm there for starts, I just have time to kind of just, you know, relax and kind of make sure I've got all of my ducks in a row that I'm kind of ready to go. So I would just kind of have this peace of mind. When you're running 10 minutes late, I mean, you are stressed. I mean, you, you're, you're forgetting a lot of things and, 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 and it just everything just kind of starts uh, having kind of a domino effect there when you're constantly late. So again, you just have this peace of mind. The second thing is better health. We all know this morning that just, again, unrelenting uh, stress, worry, anxiety, it, it has a negative effect on our bodies. We all know that, and yet we just kind of allow it to continue day after day after day. And sadly, uh, most of us really don't get serious about dealing with those issues until we've kind of got some medical issues going on in our lives. I mean, you know, we've got high blood pressure, um, or, you know, we've got, uh, you know, uh, 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 heart attacks happening, uh, strokes. I mean, and, and again, there, there's just be, uh, consequences when we continue, again, to ignore the stress uh, and the anxiety and worry uh, that compounds our lives from that. And again, it's really interesting you know, why we don't, you know, step back. And, and it took me a while to just kind of step back and to begin to look at what kinds of changes uh, do I need to make um, in my life. It's interesting that a lot of people uh, spend their health um, in, in the early years to get wealth and then spend the latter part of their, of their latter years, they, they spend their wealth to try to regain their health. And a lot of times if, if we would just take time again uh, to understand that our bodies, they kind of need downtime. We need that space. We need um, that margin. And again, it, it's like if you've ever watched the Indianapolis uh, 500. I mean, even race cars have to go in periodically for a pit stop. They, they, they need uh, they need. Uh, care. They, they need some kind of, of work done on them uh, in order to keep them running, to keep them uh, at, at their optimum um, uh, uh, peak, that you just can't keep going 200 miles an hour and never stopping um, to uh, get repaired. The third benefit of building margin into our lives is stronger relationships. And again, there's, there's reasons, there's a lot of reasons and, and good, strong reasons for the collapse of the family uh, in America today. And I think one of the contributors towards that, again, is we don't have any margin in our lives. And when we don't have margin in our lives, we generally are not going to have margin for relationships. 
Amidst all of the other things competing for our time and our attention, um, even if you value family, we don't have time to make all of it work. And if we don't have time for one another, we're not going to have the time to build the kind of relationships we'd like to have. And the truth is, it takes time and it takes margin in relationships because we've got to have that time to invest, the time to sit and to talk. And it provides us that time to kind of listen uh, to what's happening in other people's lives, uh, to comfort someone who may need to be comforted, uh, to enjoy people, you know, to play with and to interact with your kids or your grandkids. All of that requires a margin of time. And let me just add this. You can only do this with a very limited number of people. And again, this is based upon a theory called Dunbar's numbers. And this uh, Dunbar was a uh, British anthropologist. And Dunbar's number, the theory that he came up with, states that we can only manage so many relationships in our lives. And that all of us, we kind of form this inner circle and it's generally about five, maybe to seven people. And those five to seven people are who we primarily have our deepest relationships with. Now, this theory goes on to say that in total, at one time, we can manage about 150 relationships. Now, most of those relationships are with people we may only see or talk to once a year. And if you think about that, it, this makes sense. We only have so much time in the day, and it's literally impossible to develop and to manage all but a, a handful of, of strong, meaningful relationships. Now, again, if this is true, and I believe it is, this makes today's social media-driven world seem kind of silly and even somewhat superficial. I mean, why are we friends with people on Facebook, uh, people that we knew maybe 20, 30 years ago, maybe from high school, and we know we'll never probably ever see or, or talk to them again? Well, we see their posts, they kind of pop up on our, our feed, and, and we kind of waste our time. We're comparing our lives to their lives. Uh, and again, um, this is about as shallow as it gets. So why don't we prioritize and make our focus the real relationships and kind of strengthen those within our inner circle? Trust me, I mean, I struggle with this all the time and, and it's so easy to lose sight of. There's always kind of this driving mechanism, you know, that we, we kind of know that we're struggling maybe in some of our inner relationships, but boy, if I can just get this taken care of, get this resolved, get this settled, then I can get back to kind of strengthening those inner relationships. And what we all find is the, these things that continue to distract us and to derail us, they never go away. They just continue to accumulate. And so again, it's important for us to, to not lose sight of this. And again, I think a lot of us struggle with this uh, to, to uh, various degrees. 
And then, you know, one day loss and grief kind of comes into your life and, you know, our, our, our fake, our, our shallow Facebook friends, I mean, they post, you know, uh, prayers and thoughts, comments, but they're not going to be the ones with you at the hospital, you know, as you're uh, there with a dying loved one. They're not going to be the ones that are going to be, you know, sitting next to you uh, graveside. And so again, I think it's important that we use our time, use it wisely, um, and invest that and prioritize it uh, into relationships that uh, are going to be, uh, again, a support that are going to be there for us in our times of need. Fourth benefit of building margin into our lives is it makes you available for God to use you to make a difference in this world. When we are overloaded, when we've got too much to do, you just kind of get into this survival mode. And then, you know, uh, if God ever does come to us in those moments of overload and kind of taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, I want you to kind of do this, we usually don't receive that kind of message with joy. And we're kind of thinking, oh man, another thing to do. And, and again, it's like, God, I'd, I'd like to do that, but man, I'm sorry, I just, I just, I don't have the time, I'm too busy. So we end up passing on that great opportunity that God brings into our lives. But when we have margin, when there's kind of a bit of a reserve and, and God wants to use us in a specific way, again, we at least have uh, that, that uh, availability uh, to, to be obedient to what God's talking about. So there, again, are, are the benefits to building margin in our minds. We just have more peace of mind, we're, we're healthier, stronger relationships, and it, and it, it avails us uh, for God to use us. So if you're here this morning and you need to build margin into your life, what are some practical steps that you can take uh, to do that? And again, this is for those of us that just find ourselves constantly overloaded. First thing is, accept your human limitations. First, you got to recognize that every human being has limitations. And, and the way to, to do that is to begin by saying to yourself and recognizing, I have limitations as a human being. And again, you'll never acknowledge or accept other people's limitations until you recognize and acknowledge your own. Psalm 119 verse 96 says, I have or I've learned that everything has limits. And again, we have to remember that we're only human. The scripture says we are, we're but dust. Um, and God is mindful of that and, and that he understands that. And, and that's the way he created us to be. We're not gods, we're not omniscient, we're not omnipresent, we're, we're not uh, invincible, we're not unstoppable, we're not masters of the universe, we're just human beings. And more than that, we have to remember that the limitations that we have in our lives, God intentionally put there. God is the author of our limitations. And he intentionally put them there for our good. And God did it because he loves us. So rather than fighting or trying to push against all of that or to exceed it, we just need to accept that every one of us in this room, we have physical, mental, emotional, we have human limitations and we need to live and build our lives accordingly. So what are some of those limits we need to recognize, admit, and accept? In the first place, you have physical limitations. 
Okay, none of us can swim to Hawaii, no matter how great or strong of a swimmer you are. None of us in this room can go six months without food or water. You cannot go three weeks without sleep. I looked this up. The world's record for a person who goes without sleep is 11 days. 264 hours and 12 minutes to be exact. So again, every one of us in this room, we have physical limitations. But people say, well, what about that, that verse there in Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through God who strengthens me. And again, when we, when we use that, we are taking and we apply it to uh, our overload. We're taking that verse out of context. We're, we're misapplying that scripture. Can you fly like Superman? No, none of us can. That verse is not saying you can go beyond your human limits. Again, we can't use that verse to keep taking on more and more stress, more and more responsibility, more and more loads. And then we kind of just, uh, you know, justify all that by saying, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, that is a misuse. It is a misapplication of that scripture. Each of us has physical limitations. You also have emotional limitations. I mean, I can only carry so many of you out of this room. And, and it's not about your size. It's more about my weakness, and again, oftentimes we try to, to, to exceed our, our boundaries, our limitations emotionally. And again, I'm limited in who I, or how many I could carry out of this room. But if you ever stop to ask yourself, how many people can I carry emotionally? How many people's problems can, can I take on um, as my own? We never stop to really think about that. How many people can you carry emotionally? How many problems of other people's can you really handle? One, five, 15, 20? I'm sure that number's different for each one of us in this room. At what point do you have boundaries? At what point do you have to establish limits? I, I can't carry that emotional burden. I can't carry that person's problems. And again, a lot of us never draw the line emotionally. We think we can just keep on taking on, handling more and more stress, more and more problems, and we don't think we need any downtime. All the while, we forget that Jesus, I mean, that the one who I would think would be able to do it all, even withdrew many, many times from the multitude from all of the problems, from all of the stresses and everything that was happening in people's lives, that I'm sure Jesus felt very drawn and wanting to enter in and to, and to make a difference and to heal and, and to deliver and to do all of that. Even Jesus understood he had limits and therefore he would withdraw from the multitudes many, many times. So again, left unchecked uh, in our lives, it's just going to create a lot of headaches for us. And not only do we have, you know, physical, emotional limits, we have mental limits. Scientists are now discovering that the human mind can only handle so much new information uh, before it kind of just goes on tilt. And the problem is we live right now in a culture 
where the media is just constantly pumping new information at us, constantly downloading it into our minds through radio, television, internet, everywhere you go, new information. And again, as a result, many Americans are kind of mentally on tilt. They can't handle anymore. And scientists are studying the, the damage of trying to cram so much in. How many of you, you know, you, you buy something and you get these really thick user manuals? I mean, who reads those? I mean, you're, you're, you're going to the quick start. You just want to know how to get this thing put together quickly and how to start using it. You don't care about the other 99 pages of useless information. Just show me how this works and let me be. So we have time limits. No matter how many time management seminars you go to, you're never going to have more than 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. And if you sleep the, the typical eight hours a day, right there is a third of that 24 hours already spent. Lastly, we have space limitations. We cannot be in, in uh, more than one place at the same time. Now, I granted some technology, you know, makes it possible for us to, to be in another place far away uh, through, uh, t through uh, Zoom uh, and, and other things like that. But again, you can only be in one place at one time. Job 14.5 says this, our time is limited. You, God, have given us only so many months to live, and you have set limits we cannot go beyond. And I believe that. I don't care what science is trying to do right now or technology is trying to do right now. There are boundaries we will never, ever be able to exceed. So the starting point for building margin is you got to realize you have limits. You can't keep cramming your life fuller and fuller. Second step, if you're going to build margin in your life, expect to have problems. Dan had problems this morning. Your car didn't start. Is that, is that, was that the? Yeah, that was a problem. And this is, again, why we need margin um, in our lives, because you're going to have problems, and you're going to pretty much have them on a daily basis. If you think you can get life to go perfectly as you plan, you might as well check into the mental ward at Mercy Hospital right now, because most of us, and I include myself in that, I mean, I cannot usually get just even an hour of my life to go the way I think it should go, let alone a day or a week. The Bible says we ought to plan. You know, planning uh, is fine. Plans are good. I'm all for planning. The Bible says we ought to plan, and plans can oftentimes help lead us in the right direction. But again, most things are not going to go as perfectly as planned. And when we think that, I think we're just setting ourselves up for a lot of disappointment and frustration. If you think, I, I got a certain distance to go, and it's going to take me an hour to get there, um, and that's if the traffic is great, you need to kind of build into that maybe 10 minutes of margin. Because there may be traffic. I mean, you may have a flat tire. You may go out to start the car and the car does not start. Your car just may be at a, at a stoplight. You go to accelerate and the car dies. Or maybe you have forgotten something and you got to go back and get it. You may be delayed by a train. How many of you have sat at a train crossing? Yeah. 
You come upon an accident, you're going to be delayed. Again, expect, anticipate, there are going to be problems. Jesus said we should all kind of anticipate and expect problems. He said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have problems. He doesn't say you might have trouble. He doesn't say you could have trouble. He says you're going to have it eventually. So why are we surprised? Again, we certainly hope for the best, but again, plan for the worst. The Bible tells us that thinking ahead, again, is a mark of wisdom. Proverbs 22, 3, the book of wisdom, says the prudent person perceives difficulties ahead and takes precautions. The simpleton or the fool goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Third and final step I'm gonna talk about this morning in building margin is we've got to prune our activities periodically. Every year, a lot of us, we kind of, we develop new activities. Some of you are doing things this year you didn't do last year. And so you've kind of added more and more, but you haven't really cut off or you really haven't pruned back or you haven't really removed anything from the activities you were already doing. And so you can't just keep adding and adding and adding to your schedule without at the same time removing and pruning certain things off. Now here's the underlying challenge, at least it is for me. When you prune, when you cut back, oftentimes it's not just dead wood you're cutting off or pruning back. Chances are good you're going to have to cut off what I would call living branches. Those are those activities that maybe still kind of are productive or enjoyable or they're fruitful. In your pruning, you're going to have to cut out some activities that maybe kind of still be producing life and fruit. They're still good. And again, this is difficult because it's hard to prune away an activity that may be beneficial in your life or beneficial in the lives of others. 1 Corinthians 6.12, Paul says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Now, he's kind of saying in a roundabout way is that God's given you a free will, and you're permitted to do anything you want with that free will. You can go out and you can overload your schedule 10 times uh, the the amount, and God's not going to stop you. You're permitted to, to make foolish decisions with your time and activities, but it doesn't mean that it's beneficial or productive or helpful to cram your schedule so full. Last week, we talked about, again, that, that $10 million, uh, you know, seminar, that success seminar, and that is learning to use that two-letter word, no. There is incredible power in that two-letter word, no. A lot of us get up in the morning, and, and we've got, you know, 50 things to do, and there's just no way you're going to be able to get it all done. I mean, you may get maybe 20 of the 50 things done, but here's the thing. You're going to have to say no to 30 of those things. And oftentimes, we don't like to say no. It's just far easier to say, yes, I can do that. I can take that on. And the real problem to saying no to things you like, saying no to things that are maybe fun or good or beneficial or helpful, it's again, you cannot do all the good things in life. 
And part of the challenge for me and, and part of what makes this difficult for me is oftentimes when I tell people no, I feel like I'm letting them down and disappointing them. And I don't like that feeling. As a matter of fact, I had several very good opportunities, wonderful, you know, God-given things that we were offered or I was offered to do this week. Um, and I just had to say, no, I, I don't have the time. I don't have the resources to be able to do that. And it was hard for me to say that because I felt like I was letting that person down. But you know what? It, it's, it's, easy, it's easier and it's much better to let them down on the front side because my fear is, is if I would have taken that on, I would have disappointed and let them down in that I probably would not have done a very good job of what they were asking me to do. So again, I think it's just so important to learn that word no and, and to be okay with it. As a matter of fact, I think you need to be saying no more often in life than you are saying yes. So if we don't periodically prune the activities in our, our lives and just ask ourselves, what do I need to stop doing? What do I need to, maybe I don't need to be doing this uh, anymore. And again, if we don't do that, oftentimes God will allow the pruning uh, through sickness. Um, you know, you, you get yourself uh, so uh, just wore down from all the activity that you end up getting sick and you're in bed for a couple of days or a week. Proverbs 20, 30 says, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. So I want to just uh, give you those uh, three uh, ways this morning and um, just want you to, uh, to think about um, this. Uh, Jesus, you know, said to us that if we have a certain uh, amount, a certain kind of faith, that we can, we can move mountains. Now, it's just carefully uh, and, and wise to understand. Jesus didn't say busyness will move that mountain. Jesus didn't say effort or good intentions or if you work really hard uh, that you can move that mountain. He didn't say uh, if it's to be, it's up to me to move a mountain. Jesus said if you want to move mountains, you move them with faith. Faith, not busyness, gets the job done. So I just close this morning. I want to ask you, what is your mountain this morning? What maybe is the problem, maybe the challenge, the stress in your life this morning that just needs moving? It just needs to be removed. Stop doing so much. Do less, trust God. And again, margin is that space between your load and your limit. And God wants us to build and to maintain healthy amounts of margin in our lives. So I just leave you with this last thought. Cemeteries are full of people who thought the world couldn't get along without them. Let me say that one more time. Cemeteries are full of people who thought the world couldn't get along without them. Amen? Let's pray. Father, again, we just uh, thank you this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace this morning to be able just to kind of reflect, to look at our lives, Father, and to see, Lord, where maybe we're kind of overloaded, we're overstretched. We've exceeded a lot of our limitations. 
And Father, we're kind of reaping the consequences of that. So this morning, Father, we thank you again just for this opportunity to step back and just to look. And Father, we just invite you to search our hearts, to search our lives this morning, Father. And you know the exact areas, Father. You know the exact places where we need to do some trimming, some cutting back, some stopping. And Lord, you know exactly how to help us, Lord, to build healthy biblical margin into our lives, just like Jesus did. And it wasn't easy for him, Lord. I'm sure there were times where he felt very overwhelmed by all of the needs, all of the demands that were around him, Lord. We can't even fathom what that must have been like to be able to have the ability to do uh, all that he did, but also realizing that he could only do so much. And that's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. So that the very same spirit that enabled Jesus to do all that he did, but no more. That that same spirit now lives and dwells in us. And that as we really choose to imitate the life of Jesus, that God, we too will be able to do all of the things that Jesus did, but they'll be even greater in that there's more of us than just him alone. And God, we want to be used like Jesus was used. We want to be available like Jesus was available. And God, we want to be able to do that, Lord, in very healthy and in very measured ways. Not feeling compelled to exceed our limitations, but to recognize those just as Jesus did. And to Lord, to be grateful, to be thankful that all that you call us to do, God, you will equip us. And so Father, this morning, I just ask that you help us, Lord, in the midst of all the demands that are around us, Lord, that again, Lord, we would be wise, that we would be prudent, in the use of our time, the use of our limitations, the use of our relationships. And God, this morning that we would again seek first the kingdom of God, that we would seek you first and above all else. The Father, we would put you in first place this morning. And that God, when we do that, your word says you'll help us, God, that you'll, you'll make sure that everything else is taken care of. So, Lord, I just pray that you'll help us just to position our heart this morning to put you first, to put your kingdom first in everything, and then let all the rest of life flow out of that. So, Father, again, we just uh, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your patience, for your grace. We thank you for your steadfastness, God, that you never give up. We just ask, Lord, that you would just continue to lead us and to guide us and to use us to bring your plans and purposes just as they are in heaven upon this earth. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Sister Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.